just to just to fill everybody in that, that's listening, th- this podcast is gonna be a little bit of everything, shit talking, the serious conversations like we are with Mike right now, to 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 you know just another day at tops, I guess. Uh, it could, it could, it's gonna bounce around, so you know for sure people are gonna have to wear earmuffs. Whoever don't want to hear Jesus and Craig cussing, but yeah, sorry about um, that, guys. Yeah. Yep, yeah, because I'll try to watch. You know how bad we are. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, and this. Uh, I'm this rather one. surprised to hear any cussing coming from our choir boy, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. it's balancing everything, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Welcome, welcome, everyone to Top's Daily Grind. This is episode number sixty-two, and we have a special guest today. Sixty-two. Yes. Yes, sir. Sixty-two. And uh, that's Dan Eastland of oh. Dogwood Custom Knives. I'm the special guest? Yes. I, yes, sir, was, you are. I was wondering. I was looking yeah. around. It yeah, we've had Dylan on Dylan's plenty been of times. Yeah. So. It sounded like special ed at first, but it was actually guest. Yeah, well, yes. um, yeah. I, I, that works for me, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> if I just said we have a guest, then it probably would have been Dylan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, so before we get underway here, today's sponsor of the podcast is Tops Knives. How about that? Those guys are generous. They are pretty generous. They've been sponsoring <laughs> this podcast since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> they give and they so, give. They do. They give. Yeah. yeah. One of these days we're going to they're we're going to give something back. Uh probably, maybe. Um we'll see. But anyway, I would just knives. I'd yeah. milk that cow as long as you can. Yeah, you set <laughs> the pattern now. They they have expectations. You don't want to confuse good. them. No, definitely not. I mean, you're definitely doing this not. for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, right now you can go to topsknives.com, enter the promo code TDG30, and get $30 off a knife. 30%. 30%. percent guys. How in the hell do I keep it's, fucking it, that up? It's 30%? 30%. Not $30. God well, damn. Last time we said 35%. I said 35% one time. In a lot of cases, it, it will be $30. It, it just wins, depends on yeah. the cost of the knife. Yeah, that's yeah if you order a $100 Thank knife, you, Dylan. it should yeah. be 30 That was really... So, so that's correct. Some of the time. Ish. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. really supportive of you. I appreciate that. I got you. So 30%. This isn't uh, how they always go, by the no, way. No, not usually. 30% Actually, it is. off mostly of how your <laughs> purchase. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, so TDG30, just put that in there, and you'll figure out if you get a discount or not. It's it's pretty it, simple. It'll be plus or minus $30. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh-huh. I'm sure you guys can do the math. Anyway, yes, figure figure welcome, it out. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah, if you're so. if, if you're here, you can you can. Hey, just I, I got to say the facility is very professional. What do you think about this table? I, I'm impressed. Let's bring John up here. No, let's just, yeah, okay, let's to talk on. about the table. You know, because oh, because um, I know think- that Dan knows about. Uh, carpentry. And, okay, yeah, and, we have uh, an extra yes, mic, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, I, I built furniture before I got into knives. Oh yes. Don't take it easy on him. Critique him. Yeah, Critique do everything. Not go easy you know, on as him. As nice as this looked, I was like, oh shit, there's going to be a camera and I look the way I do. Pretty, no. pretty clean setup for just audio. I'm impressed. Yes, eventually there will be cameras. We that's, want, yeah. That's why, that's why we made this L shaped table. That was the goal, but like we were saying down there, we're, we've been so busy that we haven't had time to implement the, just to include the cameras and the setup and because of all the editing and stuff. So it just takes an extra. Yeah, that's, you know. that's a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. at some yeah. point we will probably we'll probably stream them on YouTube and just run them live. Yeah, um, yeah that seems to. like a good idea at first. Eventually we will do that until you get so far and you're committed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but I I want you to not take it easy on John when you tell him about this table because <laughs> we've been giving him shit about it nonstop. <laughs> since nonstop. He, well. My contrary nature then tells me that I need to be really supportive and make all of y'all look like assholes. Do that. Do that. <laughs> what, do what you, you don't want to look do like an asshole? Yeah. 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 Oh, I do. I do. All, all <laughs> is in your court. You can play it however yeah, you want. Okay. Yeah, it's up to you. Because I, I was going to stop. Last week my, was my last week giving shit about the table. But I can go on one more else. week. I think, I think I can do one more. One of so, the yeah. reasons I went to Knives, apart from whole Choir of Angels moment when I made the first one, but... When I was doing furniture, man, I might spend six months on a cabinet. And, like, at the end of six months when I'm doing my 15th coat for a French polish, I was done. I hated it. I didn't want to do it anymore. And knives, man, it's a, it, it's a new challenge every week. Like, I, I do whatever I was going to do, and next week it's something entirely new. And it's not these long projects that just hang over me. Yeah. yeah that's, the, that's the thing with, uh, with a lot of things that 
when they start getting repetitive where you're doing the same process over and over. Like for me, picture picture wise, I used to do it on the site as well. And now I, 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 as soon as I get out of here, I don't want anything to do with pictures for a while. Just once you've solved the problem, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Then I don't know. There's, there's a thing about doing it for myself that I still like, but once you're doing it for clients and stuff, it's, uh, I, I I just rather not go with the hassle. Uh, The easiest way to ruin a hobby is to, do do it for money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, because like I still work. love it, but but only when it's for me. Yeah, N- not for. Have a seat, Mr. John. Just come join us, John. Please don't spill that. I don't know. If, <laughs> just I don't know if the table can take it. You know what I mean? Do I have to choose myself as a table maker on this one? Or? <laughs> you know what? We actually do have somebody here who knows a little bit about carpentry. Oh. And well. he's going to he's gonna give you some feedback on your table. Oh, I thought you were talking about myself. Nope. Oh, definitely not you. <laughs> definitely no. We were not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've been called a lot of things, but... Uh, not a carpenter. Not a carpenter. <laughs> oh, come on now. Bless your heart. It's yeah. a beautiful table. <laughs> that's what I thought before I poured the epoxy. Bless yeah, your gonna, heart. Yeah, that's a southern thing. <laughs> yeah. When somebody says, bless your heart, yeah. and Gives you a compliment. It's I, not. Actually. I know what it is. Okay, I'm yeah. just making sure you yeah. got yeah. that. It's like it's like that with all due respect. Yeah, yes. it goes along those lines. Yeah, I, I had a sergeant that was like, "Don't give me that shit." <laughs> as soon as you say "with all due respect," I know whatever you say next is not respectful. Yeah, it's just a formal "fuck you." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I decided yesterday that I'm going to start saying that to people with all due respect, and then say something respectful, but like mean it. Yeah. Just to see what happens. Just yeah. so they can be like, oh. Oh, no, wait, just no, have that, me like, that was, no, what, be what is that supposed to mean? Like, yeah. like they think that I'm talking shit, but I'm actually not. It'll like, be a slap to the face and then followed by a compliment. Yeah, with all due respect, yeah. Dylan, that's a really good looking beard. So that's kind of mess. See, <laughs> that is so now I just think you're being facetious. Right? Because yeah. you could say but that I'm, to John. But and, am I? Uh, I would. You are because you started no. with, with all due no, respect. No, look at that beard. Because that is a fantastic beard. Well, thank you. Yeah. See, if you, if you say it like, well, see, now you fucked it up. But, <laughs> but did I? You did. Because mm-hmm. I mean that with all due respect. Even though you, <laughs> yeah. like even though you mean compliment. that, that's not how it's interpreted. You know, I only know. Craig can I know. make a compliment sound like such an insult. Like, I've never wanted to punch somebody in the face over a compliment <laughs> no, so much. I've worked with this guy for almost five years. Tell me about it. Yeah, that's... Uh, that, that's with, with all due respect, can we move the conversation along? Yes. <laughs> is that how yes. it works? It does. No, but that's, that, that was that, you being... Was that me being dickish? Yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. just... You. But yeah, you somebody's got to be the producer. You didn't That's mean right. that one respectfully. I did oh, mean it respectfully sure when they said he had a nice beard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about John. Yes. Yeah. For a second here. John. Because he's got, I guess, work. We're using this show. table that you built. Yeah, finally, finally, we're finally breaking, breaking it in. Speaking of all due respect. Yeah. You know what's funny? Nice table. Thank you. That my... I, my my arm hairs are getting stuck to this epoxy that hasn't really dried over here. Oh, yeah. I noticed there's a spot right here that's yeah. still sticky too, and that yeah. was poor. Is that why we're over here? Is because the equipment's actually stuck to the table, yeah. and we can't go to the we other one. We can't go to the other one. <laughs> Look, you should be sure. Portable. There's plenty of things that you can bust his stones over, yeah. but no bubbles. Do you know how there's hard it is right to do? One? Yeah, I, there's I, some imperfections at the top, but there's no bubbles like in the epoxy. There's like you know 17 how hard bubbles it is on this to side. pour. So, what are these? Thick? What are these right here? That's the what style. That's the style. Don't look too. Don't close. No, that's not a bubble. That's, that's a just bubble. a little that's imperfection at the top. Like there's not there's not air trapped underneath. Right. Yeah. That's that's a spot that he just didn't get good coverage on. It's like heat treat. I did an extra heat treat uh, treatment on top. Of that. There's why. at least two coats uh, on were this. Were you over there? Were you using the heat gun trying to get it to set? Yeah, that's why it kind of drooped. Yeah, it gets a little. Yeah, did you wavy. see the? Did you see the front of this table? Oh yeah, that's you should a walk. You should walk around and look There's at the front. There's runs right in front of me. That's, yeah. a, that's a design. And though. we left them there on purpose. Like my signature, you know, like yeah, that's artist. authenticity. Yeah. yeah, you should have seen the first set of runs that he already fixed once. You know, it, uh, it's it's kind of like with a maker's mark bottle. You know, each person that dips the neck has their own little, yeah, little their pattern own in the wax. Yeah. That's that's your signature. Exactly. That's your signature run. If you see, it's like it's kind of like three D. So like you know it's there, but it's not. Hey John, let me ask you a question. If you ever build me a table, please don't put your signature on it. Are those <laughs> just, runs there on purpose, saying. or is that? A... <clears throat> that's how the owner wanted the style. So, I, is is hmm. it though? Or did he just decide not to take them off as a way to remind you every time you look at this table that you fucked it up? So like, here's, here's the real question. It's Can like you the do runs again? It's a reminder. Could you do another yeah. piece for me with those exact same runs? See, that's that's the thing. I Maybe. No. No, you can't. That's a no. That's so it's fat, not no. a signature. It's definitely not a signature. It's one of a kind, what are going to say? Yeah. Any, it would have been a custom knife maker, whenever he's got a little tweak and he only does it once, 
that's because it was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a one of a kind. When, oh, when yeah. I was younger, I used to draw, and and the drawings would never look like the person I was drawing. So I'd always say it was their brother or their, <laughs> oh. and so that was my way of saying that, you know, I was good, but I sucked. Just this like is a, this is the to brother to a chef's knife. Yeah. <laughs> So have you have you done epoxy pours like this on tables? Um, I have not. I actually I did a lot of what's called short oil varnishes, where it wasn't quite this thick, but it gave that same transparency. Oh, okay. Now there's is that like a brush on kind of thing, or uh... yeah, or a or a sponge on, and okay. you can get it fairly thick, but it's it's really brittle, so it gets like a a glass polish to it. Mm. Like a, a trademark used to be that I'd fold a business card and set it on the finished table and you could read the business card in the reflection. Oh, right on. Um, but with the epoxies and the short oil varnishes, they're flexible, so they're really durable, but they won't take a polish. Oh, okay. Uh, so like this, this epoxy, it's, it's durable as hell once it cures. Um, <laughs> if, it, if it cures in this case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Step but, two. <laughs> but you can't polish it the way you can do like the old oil varnishes. Okay. okay. And a lot of what I did was reproduction work. Um, oh, okay. So was, you were like rebuilding some other famous kind of furniture, or what do you mean by that? Well, I do like um, arts and crafts or stickly style furniture. So it wasn't it wasn't modern furniture. It's furniture that would have been built in the early eighteen hundreds, early or late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, like nineteen twenty. So a lot of the oh, materials okay. I was using and the techniques I was using were similar to back then. So, so were you making that shit with like hand tools and stuff? Yeah, like planes and and. I, how I learned to sharpen, like the, like the way I learned about a micro bevel was sharpening cap planes for my, uh, for my planes. It's, so the, the cap is the little piece of metal, the little oh, blade yeah. in a plane. Mm-hmm. And you polish those things out at like 8,000 grit. Um, and then you'd buff them with, with um, like rubbing compound. Okay. Uh, and they were insanely sharp, but they'd dull up pretty quickly. And at the time, I didn't know any better. So to get the... To bring the edge back, I'd go down to like 400 grit and do the entire face of that blade at 400 grit and then have to bring it all the way back up to 8,000 and polish it. And it'd take me hours to repolish these blades. And then I was reading a, a trade magazine and they started talking about micro bevels. And I was like, oh, I can sharpen one little part of it. And rather than having to strip the entire face every time, I just take steel off this little 16th of an inch spot. Um, so at the time when I started doing knives, I was doing it for ease of sharpening. And it wasn't until later that I found out about how a micro bevel will give you a more robust edge that it's slightly less efficient, but the edge isn't so delicate. Right. Right. Um, less prone to chipping and chipping and rolling. Um, when we were down in the Amazon, a bunch of the guys had, um, true Scandies and trying to cut that black palm, their blades were rolling and I cheated on my Scandy. I put a micro bevel on my Scandy. And my edges weren't rolling, and that was kind of the proof in the pudding of, oh, yeah, it really does give you a slightly more durable blade, and you're really you're not trading off that much more in, in sharpness. It is almost like we just set that up, because that's, that's why we do our Scandies the way we do them. Yeah. So we, we, we do the Scandy, and then we put an extra bevel on it, and everybody's like, well, that's just a saber grind. Yeah. It's like, well, not really, because... You have a sharp edge to begin with, and then you add another bevel to it. Well, and arguably, saber grind starts to get in. What's the height of your primary grind? Mm-hmm. What's the height of your secondary grind? And you can get into the weeds on, on technicalities of grinds because over time, one word has multiple meanings. But yeah, that's, that's a secondary bevel. It's a micro bevel. But yeah. yeah, that's... You get all the efficiency, and yeah. unless you're doing really fine, the only thing that I use a Scandi grind for is if I'm doing really fine woodworking. Like if I'm doing detailed carving, then I want that really fine edge. Yeah. But beyond that, that's that's a working edge. Exactly. That, yeah, and they they come a little finer than that one. I've had I've had Leo put put his grind on this yeah, or so his touch. The, that's the micro bevel I'll do. Okay. Yeah. Very micro. Yeah. But but even that little bit adds so much more strength. Well, and when I start, like that's one sixteenth. Yeah, so yeah. There's not a lot. There's not a lot to work with. Yeah, that's like our frog market. 
For those of you that can't see their comparing yeah. match yeah. right yeah. now, so, so we're going to just You guys carry on. We'll, we'll be the announcers over here. <laughs> so Dylan, Dylan's over. holding a 116th. John, you're going to describe the knife that Dylan's holding. Go. Uh, Dylan's uh, caressing it like if it had. Describe the knife, not what he's doing with it. Oh my God. You know, I'm going to give you a quick quick primer on handle design. Hey, will you will you move that microphone just a little bit? Like, move it up a little? And then towards your mouth a little bit more. Now it's going to get in the way when I try to drink my beer. I know it does. It does, but yeah, that's yeah. okay. We'll do. Uh, I just do the. We'll deal with that. I just do the tip yeah. up. Uh, <laughs> maybe. We'll deal Depends on how much money you've got. Yeah, we'll deal with that in post. So, you know, a big part of a, a handle being comfortable is muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And what have you held more than anything else in your life? <laughs> John, don't answer that. <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't imagine. I. Oh, you don't even know? Yeah, I know. What, we're what, are, you, what, are, what, are, what are we talking about? A baby bottle. <laughs> You're fucking psycho. What? <laughs> well, the size is about right. Yeah. <laughs> what did you just say? Jeez. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Got it right. John, do you seriously not know? What we hold the most? He doesn't yeah. want to say penis. We're talking. He's talking about your dick. Yeah, saying, no shit. Like, saying, no oh shit. my god. No shit. I'm not gonna be out there. Oh, you said. Oh my god. Uh, to be fair, he sucks on both of them. So that's why he said Bob. To be fair, I stole that from Bob Loveless. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. And from what I understand, in his Hall of Fame, it's speech, a family show. By um, the way, he got up to give his acceptance speech into the Hall of Fame. And described his handle design technique. <laughs> that's that's great. Oh, God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? I can't argue with that logic at all. That's no. um, marketing right there. No, should we, should the we naked lady. You know what? We now? should start putting that. It feels as good as a dick. Your, That's not your dick. Feels like it's actually yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to smart, make make an order much by smaller s- knives for Craig, aren't we? No. Make an order by size. I mean, here's like the mini you almost nailed it that mean, one. Yeah, that one's pretty close. Do you have a handle that grows eventually <laughs> when it sees certain things? Where's the shower, not a grower? It responds to friction. Yeah. The, the more you rub on yeah, it, the material go. expands. Where's the, yeah, the, the grower, the not, grower a shower not a section. shower series? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. We almost made it 20 minutes without talking about dicks. No, we didn't. We started, we started off with that. Yeah, with uh, that, by the way, I had the over and under at seven minutes. So, uh. Oh, nice. Yeah. So a new record. He's, he's got a whole notebook full of dick jokes. <laughs> Nailed it's it. It's the pinnacle of humor. We all it, know. It really is. Jeez. Oh, I, like, I like the scales on those. Thank you. That's, uh, that's Chateauant Carbon Fiber. That's cool. From uh, Johnny Blaze. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does a lot of uh, glass bead stuff that's just phenomenal. You know, pass it down, and then you want to pass it down. <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, no. It's, uh, um, John wants to know what your penis feels like. Yeah. Yep. Here you go, John. He's, That's uh, pretty soft, actually. <laughs> Let's pass that on down to John. <laughs> kind of like your hands. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. That's cool. I like this. That uh, is really cool material. This is the one that glows in the dark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the old formula. 30 minutes of direct sunlight will give you 10 hours of glow on that. 10 hours, wow. I've got some now that's down to 15 minutes. Wow. Um, and of, of sunlight? Yeah. Gives you, gives you 10 hours. And uh, second trip down to the Amazon, I had that knife, and we were going night fishing, and I stumbled just as we were leaving camp. And about four hours later, I went to cut my line, and I reached down, and my sheath was empty. Oh, oh, man, I'd had that knife for like three, four years. And the guy just like, you know, we'll backtrack. And I said, you know, don't worry about it. I've been under triple canopy all day. There's been no direct sunlight. It's not glowing. It's lost. I yeah. got a spare at camp. And we fished for three or four more hours, and we're headed back to camp. And Joe, Joe Flowers was yeah. on point, And he freezes. He's like, Dan, get up here. Get up here. So I get up there, and sure enough, right where I had tripped, just off the trail, it wasn't bright, but it was glowing just enough. Just enough. That we could see it in the leaf clutter. Hell yeah. It's crazy. And, that's, and, and you make that material? Yeah. Uh, we call that the firefly material. And it originally came from, it was right at dusk, and I was cleaning some game, and I set the knife down and went back to pick it up, and it was gone. And I was on my hands and knees just hoping I found the handle first. Yeah, and, yeah, 50-50. And when I got back to the shop, I'm like, all right, 
I'm done. I want something bright. I want it shiny. And I just didn't like what was on the market either. It only lasted for an hour or two. And that, that didn't save me anything. Like, that's great if I lose it right at sunset. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the material, since this is stones that are floating in a translucent material, every surface of that stone gets charged by light so it glows rather than just the outside edge. So it's actually more efficient because I'm getting more surface area charged by the light so it glows better. Is this a material you make? or It is. Um, wow. Yeah, I have it. And you, uh, have, you, have, you even have, so those, the, the glow in the dark, portion of that you have some that glow like different colors too right yeah uh green and blue are the two most efficient uh we had some red and some purple but it just you only get an hour or two out of the glow so i can do it but it's just green is primarily what i do because it is far and away more efficient but i also do it's kind of an aqua blue and that does that one glow about as long it does but it's not as bright okay yeah um, and then we've cast this. I did some, uh, some aftermarket handles for uh, Becker for the full size and the tweeners. Um, so that it can be machined or cast. Right on. Is that like an epoxy kind of fill or is it? Uh, so. Or, what, or, you know, say what, so you, say I, what I you're willing to say so about it. So, trade secrets. Yeah, say what you're so, willing to say. Yeah, yeah, so here's don't. the deal. I take a unicorn. Okay. And uh. I collect the tears from its left eye. And then I filter those tears through the sock of a leprechaun in the light of the full moon. And then as it crystallizes, that's, that's how I get the, the stones. That's almost what John did between, to do the tabletop on this. Epoxy, on this. epoxy expert and the epoxy ex- expert. <laughs> I understood everything he said. <laughs> where, see, here you used unicorn urine, where what you needed was tears. Because yeah, he, no, he went with a pegasus up. instead of a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what your problem was. Yeah. <laughs> These tears seem kind of milky. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, you're doing it wrong. It's not where the tears come from. Those those are his tears. Back to the penis jokes. Yay. So so going back to, so for somebody who who doesn't know who you are, somebody who hasn't met you, how'd you start? Oh, yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself? Because we haven't even even got started yet. All right. So I'm Dan Eastland of Dogwood Custom Knives. Uh, I've been full time for about 10 years. And kind of the short version was, um, I went in the army, got out, was older, was in school. Um, I was in school full time, uh, was newly married, and our first son was born, and he was premature and was going to need constant care. Mm. We were already living off of my wife's income, so I dropped out of school and started taking care of him. And was slowly going out of my mind. I had always worked with my hands. So a friend of mine and my wife kind of conspired. And originally they got me into woodworking. Because especially as a preemie, he slept all the time. So I'd put him down for a nap. Take the monitor down with me. And especially since I was doing a lot of hand tool works. Mm. I did Mm -hmm. a lot of chisel work, that kind of stuff. I could build furniture. It wasn't that loud. Yeah, and it, 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 it was a creative event for me. I, I had been an engineering student. I loved making. I loved problem solving. Uh, but like I said, I, I started to hate some of my projects. They would take forever. And I was working with a, a local blacksmith that had lived just down the street on a separate project. And you know, being two healthy guys in a blacksmith shop, it wasn't long before we were talking about swords and knives. And finally, he just said, you know, tell you what, Dan, I... I I'm doing some piddly work down on Saturday. Why don't you just come down and I'll show you how to make a knife and, and you can be done with this. And man, it, it was a full on, I made that first knife and a ray of sunshine came down onto the anvil and a choir of angels started singing and James Earl Jones whispered into my <laughs> ear, this is why you were born. Wow. Uh, and I just... I, I wish that would happen to me. Yeah. Just I, once. That kind of happened to me with the <laughs> stock things, but... Yeah. And I was going to be a knife maker, and then um, it was Mark Hopper was who I made that first knife with from uh, Goat and Hammer in Atlanta. Uh, and right after I had decided, okay, I'm going to commit, he moved his shop 40 minutes south to Atlanta, and there was no way I was going to drop the kids off at school, drive 45 minutes to Atlanta, learn something, and then make it back by 3 o'clock to pick the kids up from school. Yeah. So I got a copy of the membership list for the Georgia Knife Makers Guild, which is a phenomenal guild. Uh, they're a teaching guild. Um, there's no rankings, no master apprentice. 
Uh, it's purely teaching. Uh, they do four meetings a year, and five or six guys will just, here's my technique. You know, here's how I do a guard. Here's how I do this grind. Um, and once you're juried in, you're a member, and that's it. You don't have to be a member to join. I mean, phenomenal guild. But I got a hold of their membership list, and they messed up and gave me phone numbers. Oh. So I just started working my way through the list. Hey, can I work with you? Hey, can I work with you? Hey, can I work with you? And I got a bunch of no's, and I got to Andy Roy, and he's like, absolutely not. So I went to a guild meeting, because anybody can show up, and I was going to find somebody. And I cornered Andy, and he's like, maybe. (laughs) Just, if you'll leave me alone for a minute, maybe. And then it found out that we had a mutual friend. So I got that guy to call, and finally he's like, all right, fine. You can come to the shop, but here's the deal. It's August, it's Georgia, there's no air conditioning, and you're going to sand Micarta for hours. That's all you're going to do. You're going to sand Micarta and sweep my floors. Damn. I'm like, okay. That was your price to entry. Um, And after a couple of weeks of that, he's like, all right, well, if you're not going to leave, I'll show you some knife stuff. (laughs) And then, and again, it was completely unpaid. It was 40 hours a week. I dropped my kid off at school that happened to be just maybe 15 minutes at the time. His shop was in his basement. I'd drive to the shop, and the deal was, once I had finished my assigned tasks for him, I could work on stuff for myself. I had to pay for the consumables, but I could work in the shop. And after about three months of that, he sat me down at lunch and said, all right, if you're not going to leave, or excuse me, at that point, I was just, (laughs) well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. And actually, at that point, I was three days, I was just three days a week. And uh, he sat me down. He's like, all right, if you're not going to leave, if I can't get rid of you, I guess I got to teach you. I need 40 hours a week. It's going to be a year, and I'm not paying you, and you still have to work on my stuff. I'm like, okay. He said, wait, wait. I'm not going to pay you. It's 40 hours. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I I heard you. (laughs) He's like, two years? Uh." (laughs) Uh, So I did. Fuck, I fucked up. It should have been two years. (laughs) I would have done it for five. Uh, So I did what started out as a one-year, wound up being about a nine-month apprenticeship with him. Uh, Working in in a wood shop, I kind of had a springboard already knew some of the tools, just slightly different techniques. And I had been an engineering student completely out of the knife industry. At the time, like, my Buck 110 was the finest blade I had. I think I had a Gerber. Custom knives were, com- were not on my radar. I was a user, but I didn't, know, I didn't know knives. So I came into the shop with an engineering background, so I just, I approached it as an engineering problem. There's efficient, there's efficient angles, there's not efficient angles. You know, cross-section is strong this way, weak that way. And I started designing knives. And at the time, the really heavy bushcraft knives were, were coming into, in, into vogue. And I, I did the numbers, and I said, you know, a thinner knife is going to work better. So I started grinding. And at one point, I was doing 1 inch blades. And Andy saw me walking up to the grinder with a, a 1 inch blank. And he's like, that's too thin. You can't do that. I'm like, really? Because these four that I just finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of, I struggled there for a little while. And at one point, uh, Dylan Fletcher, the, my other, my unofficial mentor, and Andy kind of sat down with me and they're like, all right, we get it. The math, you're right. This is a really efficient blade, but no one's going to buy them. Nobody trusts a thin blade. And that night, I, was, I had just finished up my apprenticeship. That was kind of the parting lessons. Part of it was how to make knives. Part of it was how to run a business. And I've bought, I've bought some tools. I'm setting up the shop in my basement, and I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. She's, I explained the problem to her, and she said, well, you, you've never compromised at this point. Why are you going to compromise now? So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to make the knife that I think is right. Yeah. Um, and at the time, a, lot of my, a couple of my buddies were chefs. They were coming up through the, the market in Atlanta, and I love to cook, and once I had started to get an education in knives, I realized that my knife block was crap, and I started looking for good kitchen knives, and it was either nothing or it was a $1,000 custom knife, and I already had got a concept of how to work with these thinner blades, so I called my buddies in Atlanta. I'm like, I'm going to make kitchen knives. Let me send you something. Because at that point, I was still a knife's a knife. I know how to make a good outdoor knife. An angle is an angle. And I sent them that first kitchen knife, and it came back in three weeks with Sharpie all over it. 
this is too thick, this isn't right, I mean, just trashed. I'm like, all right. And we went back and forth for about two years. And one day I'm like, I haven't gotten that prototype back in like three or four months. So I called my, one of my buddies that was a chef, and he's like, you know, what's the deal with the prototype? He said, what prototype? I said, the knife I sent you. He said, oh, my knife? It's great. (laughs) (laughs) But learning to make kitchen knives was, I mean, just a whole nother world. Um, And some of it was as simple as in the outdoor knives where it was all about a sharp square spine. That's horrible in a kitchen knife. Mm -hmm. When a chef reaches up with that pinch grip, that sharp spine will tear their finger up. Um, The blade geometry was entirely different. The balance was entirely different. I mean, it really was almost like starting over, learning how to make knives. Uh, but it was, it was kind of where two passions came together. Um, when we were living in Atlanta, when my wife and I were young, we ate out a lot. It was great. Then we had, and it was kind of the nuclear family. I went to school and worked construction and then came home, and my wife had been doing all the cooking. Well, when, when I started taking care of the kid, and she was getting extra hours, and we had kids. We had money to go out and eat. All right. And it was actually the joy of cooking was the first cookbook I pulled down. I started going through it. I'm like, all right. And taught myself how to cook with the joy of cooking. And turned out I loved cooking. I mean, it was, it was science. It was creativity. Obviously, I enjoy eating. <laughs> Me too. Um, no. <laughs> John. So when I got to combine knife making with, with kitchen, it was kind of really two great passions coming together. Yeah. And that's, in about the last two to three years, it's about 70% of my business is kitchen knives now. I'll, I'll always do outdoor knives. That's, that's how I got started. The outdoor community is, is what supported me. So I'll always make outdoor knives, but kitchen knives really have gotten to be my passion now. And, uh, during, during all this, like, I know, I know you said we might have skipped a little bit um, too far to it, but like, you just said that you guys lived off of your wife's income. Yeah. I was she was super supportive during all of this. That yeah, like, that's so crazy. John is planning that. John is planning to live off of his wife's income. So, so I, I would if I could, but there's, I can't. There's several things that were going on. Um, one, my wife had a head start on me in the uh, in the grown up career market. Um, partially because I went in the army and possibly because she may or may not have been born slightly before me. Um, my wife was born before me too. And was, Mm -hmm. was very driven, very intelligent and was climbing the corporate ladder very quickly. And originally the plan was I was going to finish my engineering degree. That didn't happen. And part of the equation was you're taking care of the kids full time. We've got we've got a kid that needs constant care. Like this would be a highly skilled 24 seven nanny. Um, Cause when he first came home, he had to be fed every hour. His bottle was the size of my, my pinky. And you would get up, make his bottle, feed him and start the timer, burping, changing, putting him back to bed. So by the time that was done, you got like 20 minutes left. Yeah. So you, you were down for 30 minutes, and then you were up to make his bottle, so at the one-hour mark, you were feeding him again. That's crazy. So that level of childcare was going to be ridiculously expensive. So part of it was her balance was kind of, we're saving money, you doing this. And then as they got older, and we had a second, and I started to want to, to outfit a shop, and her deal was she looked into, okay, this is what – this is what childcare for two kids is going to cost. As long as you don't spend more than this setting up your shop, then, then it's net zero. Mm-hmm. Pay you to take care of the kids, pay somebody else to take care of the kids. And at the time, furniture and then knives was something I could do around the kids' schedule. And she traveled anywhere from 50 to 75% of the time. Wow. So, you know, like knives and furniture both. I could take the kids to school. And it got easy once they were both in school. But I could take them to school. Then I would work. That was, that was the table. It's because of how fancy that table Yeah, I'm still, I'm still working on the kinks. It was a cured spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> oh, you found the one. Yeah. You found the one solid the spot. The one on the table. section that's but, you, fucking you found the good spot. That's why you're sitting on that side of the table now. <laughs> but her deal was, and she got, and at one point she got where traveling demands and career demands were such that you really had to have a spouse at home. The the hours she was putting in, the traveling she was doing, like she'd be in China for three weeks. It, someone was gonna have to be home, and it was it was cost neutral for me. For me to buy tools, as long as I did it reasonably and started making a little, little money off the side, then it was cost neutral for, for me to stay at home and work. Plus, yeah. you're learning something for future use. It's, it's, it's yeah. almost like... You were, you were smart enough and driven enough yeah. to turn it into something that made yeah. money, too. Yeah. yeah, and it didn't always, especially the early years. Yeah, of course. Um, man, and there is... It's probably the beer, but... You want to talk about demeaning? You want to talk about feeling low? Have to go to your have to go to your wife and ask for an, an allowance because you didn't have a good month. That was uh, that was pretty tough. But to her credit, she's like, "We're family. This is this isn't my money. This is our money. Yeah. You know, don't waste it. Buy yourself something pretty. Give me a swat on the ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, hon. Stay golden, pony boy. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> you better wear and, you better wear, wear those nice ones tonight. <laughs> and part of it too is she'll kind of joke that, like when they do the the corporate, get to know each other, and it'll be you know, what did y'all do? What did you do? And she's like, well, I had to take care of my kids for the last two weeks because my knife maker husband was down in the Amazon jungle studying edge tool techniques for the indigenous people. And then that just trumps every anybody else that's going to tell a story is like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, can, can we hear more about your husband? <laughs> at, at any point where you're like, maybe I need to do something else, or like, like you almost thought about giving up? Um, yeah. Um, and so it, I never thought about s- stopping making. Like yeah. I was always going to make. But the, the route you were taking. But during some of those hard months, I would go, you know, I could get a part-time job at Lowe's and make more than this. Yeah. Like I, I have just worked my ass off i put in 60 hours and i made two dollars and those were those were the times when i'm like i I can't afford to do this i was a combination of of fortunate and driven that i i could get through though but yeah there's there's been plenty of times when i'm like and part of it is family commitment i'm like if i'm not cash positive for my family it, it got in my head i'm not i'm not doing my part for the family um, and at those times, you know, Beth would occasionally, like, well, you spent 30 hours this week taking care of the house and the kids, and then you put 40 hours a week into your company. No, we're, we're good. You're, yeah. you're not costing us anything. And it was mostly pride. Pride got in my head. Um, and I just kind of had to set that aside and go. But see, now looking back, you can be like, I'm proud of that I went through all this. Because yeah. now this to me is way more valuable. Than if I then it would have been just an easy road, and doing it by myself, it's kind of a double-edged sword. When you succeed, you're like, I did this. It wasn't because of anybody else. I did it. But when you fail, like, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I made that bad call. I blew the. Uh, so it's the times that you're proud. You also have to kind of temper that with, yeah. But you're also the dumbass that bought the wrong size Macarta. Well, <laughs> yeah. Figure out how to make it work now. Yeah. And there is a, <clears throat> we won't talk about how many of my designs came around to. Shit, that was my oh, next shit. question. Let me cross that on. Yeah. All right. I, I'm in this corner. How am I going to make it work? That's <coughs> tough. But see, that was almost like a, like, for example, working for that guy for no, for no money. That was almost like a tuition somebody else would pay to go to a university to learn their craft. Yeah. And it was absolutely, it was it was an unpaid apprenticeship, and I was trading labor for knowledge. Yeah. I gave him my labor, and he gave me knowledge. Yeah, you just cut out the the middleman that pays you the money, so you can pay no student debt. No student debt now. Yeah, and I was I was in a rare situation where I could afford to work forty hours a week unpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's one of the things that the industry has kind of struggled with. You know, late eighties, early nineties, the American craftsman was nearly extinct. Like nobody could afford to be a craftsman. Um, craftsmen didn't have benefits. If you didn't have benefits, 
you couldn't take care of your wife, your family. So the only people that were making anymore were retirees. And they, had a, they didn't have a lot of time left you know, to, devote, to devote to the craft. So there for a while, people not being able to afford to do the craft, it almost killed it. I mean, the amount of knowledge that was almost lost. Um, but now, partially, I think, because people are starting to realize the value and quality of invest in a good piece of furniture now that my kids will be able to use versus press board that I got to replace every three years. Mm-hmm. So some of it is you can afford to be a craftsman again. Some of it is now rather than being a college dropout that wasn't smart enough that's now a craftsman, people are recognizing, hey, arts, sciences, mystic abilities, like a craftsman has a college level education. It's just in a different degree a different or a field. different field. Yeah, um, yeah, because we went we went that whole other route where we got used to machine made stuff that now the handmade stuff has a little bit more value. Uh, some of it is was, it's it's got a little soul. Thing. Um, yeah, if you put that much of your energy, your time into something, there's a little piece of you in that. Yeah, but even even the machines made stuff that's made to a high quality. You know, it used to be people would buy it. They'd say, yeah, it's cheap and it's going to fall apart. But for the money I saved, I can just replace it every three or four years. But after you do that eight or ten times, you realize not only was it a piece of crap that didn't work that well, but you could have bought two really good ones for the eight times you've had to replace this. Yeah. So people are starting to realize buy quality that works and just buy it once rather than buying the cheap knockoffs from overseas and replacing them every two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there comes a point where you get tired of replacing them, and that becomes a hassle in itself, and then you kick yourself in the ass because it's like, well, like you're saying, if I'd have just done this right the first damn time. (laughs) And it never breaks in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Especially when you have a a tool that you've worn, like, worn it to your liking, and then it breaks, and you have to start all over. Yeah, and my goal I mean, it's not like pants, but you know what I mean, right? (laughs) My goal is three generations. Uh, everything that I make, I want to last three generations. Um, and I'm, I'll consider it a success if a grandfather hands their grandkid one of my knives and said, I got this when I was your age. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. It's going to take a long time. <laughs> that's, well, yeah, that's uh, like what you were saying, that now that everything is machine-made, now, now that computers can do everything, like I find myself appreciating something that somebody put like like a handmade piece of furniture that somebody instead of running everything through through all this milling equipment they used hand planes and and you know like shaped the whole damn thing by hand that to me is just like that's valuable i guess i don't know it's, well and it's people appreciate it more you know i not even furniture so i had a a friend and coworker make me a christmas gift oh shit at chopsticks. You made them chopsticks? I did. Out of, was it the tiger? The tiger wood. The tiger wood. Mm-hmm. But he made me a handmade set of chopsticks. Were they epoxy coated? No. No, no definitely not. <laughs> no, definitely no. not. Why did you say Craig? Yeah, there's right like, <laughs> yeah, like stalactites hanging off the end because John fucking put epoxy on just do that for everybody. Make, some, make something for everybody for Christmas this year out of epoxy. Uh, shit, you but should. I'm going to go like, get a degree I get mad almost when, like, any of my kids, like, go to try to use these chopsticks. It's like, we have, like, 20 other sets, you guys. Like, don't touch those. I didn't know that you actually liked them. Oh, dude, I use them all the time. Really? Oh, yeah, like, multiple times well, a week. You know, huh? you, I'm glad we could bring you together for yeah, this thank moment. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but it's just to get out here in a bit. We, well, after. We will. After. Yep. Yeah. We will. Another beer. Yeah. <laughs> a few more of these. Hey. Um, yep. Singing songs No, just shit. you... I have store-bought ones that I don't give two shits about. But these ones are the same function, do the same thing as the store-bought ones, but I like they mean a lot more to me because of where they came from. Yeah. So same same theory that we're all touching on. Well, and some yeah, of, of it is the story behind it. Where you know where the materials came from, you know how they were worked, you know who worked them. Right. Some of it is, like I said, if you put that much time into something, there's a little bit of you into it. Like some people will talk about the spirit of the blade. 
if you spend enough time and energy, there, there's a little something to that. And I've, I got involved in a, a conversation in a forum, and it was, and it kind of made me think of the, the ABS versus the stock removal guys, but some guys were talking about using jigs, and then other stock removal guys jumped in and were like, no, 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 you're not making if you're using a jig. It's got to be completely freehand, which sounded so much like the argument that the ABS guys had of if you're not pounding it into shape. And then I kind of thought that forward of, okay, so a guy running a CNC machine, if he did the drawing and programmed it, but the CNC machine did the cutting, did he make it? Like at what point does it become manufactured versus made? And what I kind of came down to is arguably the guy that did the CAD drawing and programmed the CNC machine, you know, his intellectual ability, his, his ability to take a blank, infinite piece of paper and create something is comparable, but it's that, that physical, tactile touch. It's, you start to go from manufacturer to maker when it's, it's that little piece of you that's, that's in whatever you made. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may function exactly the same, but the handmade one, you know who made it, you know where the materials came from, you know how it was done, and that just gives it a little something that sets it apart. Agreed. He's he's over here getting kind of uh, uh, lump in his throat because of Dylan's chopstick stories. No, I, he you left him speechless, well, no, Dylan. I did a little bit, yeah. Because I mean, for me, it was like I just I had made this this other thing out of that same wood. I had I like. He gave you leftover scraps, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's not what it, that's, it, I mean, I'm, one man's junk was, is another man's treasure. This yeah. is true. It kind of was that, like, what happened is, is I made this, I made a knife block out of tiger wood, and, uh, and when it was over, there was a couple of, like, little thin strips that I was looking at, and I was like, I mean, I didn't want to, I don't want to throw, I don't want to, I don't throw things away like that, and so I was looking at that, I was like, I can make something out of that, and I was like, I just remember Dylan saying there was a conversation we were having one night. Dylan you was would, like, I have a, a whole bunch of, I like collect chopsticks basically. I have a whole bunch of them from like different places and things like that. I was like, really? shit. Yeah. And you had, you had got that set out of your subscription box mm-hmm. of, of the steel ones. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, those are fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so I took, I took those home and just kind of, I was like, all right, I could, this is the right thickness. They're a little wide, you know? And so I cut it down and, did all the shit and sanded it and all that kind of stuff and you know so for me it was it was more just like i just wanted to see if i could do it and i was like this is good enough you know cool so i brought him to him and i was like here you go touching cool shit can you make me uh do you, do you follow <laughs> no, him on social media, media? What's what do you want do you, do you follow craig on social media i do <laughs> i i would love a set or just a weenie holder for Christmas or my birthday. You want a hot dog holder? Fuck yeah. I, I would actually, besides the fact that the jokes are like, it looks goofy, I would, wouldn't mind having one just to say that you made it. Like, it doesn't really? look goofy though. It looks it looks nice. It's just the goofy factor is that you uh, yeah. call it a weenie holder. Yeah, that's the goofy part. But I mean, it's it's a, there, there's cigar holders, but yeah. it, the running joke is that they're weenie holders. When we go yeah, camping, you're like, so much oh, funnier. who brought the weenies? I got my weenie holder. And a cigar? Are you actually going to put hot dogs in it? No, I'll put whatever in it. Because I'll, I'll make them to fit hot dogs if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, some hot dogs are bigger than others. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, just make a whole so I can hang <laughs> it on my. Like a, do you have like a dildo that you want me to use as a no, no, basis? Craig. Like, do you know what ring are you actually talking? Are you actually talking about a hot dog? <laughs> no, if you had a cigar, if if you call it a cigar holder, I, I, it's a weenie holder for me. But I would love one. <laughs> If you have like extra scrap line, and I'm serious this, too. These I'll kind of things you, you don't ask for. That you no. just get oh, yeah, them. I mean, so I don't want one, but nicer. if one day I figured, you have, well, I figured well, you all the shit you were talking, Craig wasn't picking it up. <laughs> yeah. so. I, I figured all the shit you were talking about the hot dog holder was was that you just were talking shit. I didn't no. realize you actually because we it. all here have gifts from Craig I, except I always, you. Apparently, yeah, I always talk about it to them. I was just giving you shit because it's a weenie holder. It looks like a weenie holder, but I, I wouldn't mind one. It's it's like if it walks like a dog, a duck, and it. Quacks like a duck. It's probably a duck. Yeah. So it's, I'll make so you a hot dog holder. Thank you, Craig. Like a like a standard Oscar Mayer wiener or like a bratwurst. Bratwurst. Yeah. Oh, you're just bragging now. <laughs> yeah. He, he's more focused on the girth. <laughs> just bring him a Ziploc bag. Call yeah. It. That's his yeah. holder. Hey, here you go. He's more into girth. So. <laughs> yeah. Whatever floats about. We were talking about this earlier today, actually. 
I, I got you. Where were you? Were. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what the hell are you talking about? Anyways, what do you mean a weed? Out weed out holders? You were talking about out not throwing the... away scrap. <laughs> My woodworking days, the best thing we had, like, scrap was a usable piece of wood. And then we had drop. And that would be, like, what am I ever going to do with it? But it's too big to sweep up in a dustpan. And fortunately, I saved it, and I had five-gallon buckets and buckets and buckets. Little did I know I was preparing my lifetime supply of handle material. Oh, oh <laughs> shit. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. What are What's, they? Uh, just, just little cutoffs of wood. Like oh, when, okay. You know, when you're, when, yeah. you're, when you're milling stuff down, there's always little pieces that are too small to fit the project and you're making. And, yeah, okay. And too big to throw yeah, away. Yeah, so every piece of scrap, I, for, well, not for whatever reason, I'm a guy. I don't throw stuff away. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> and now I get to point. Now I get to go to my wife. See, I used it. <laughs> go to waste. She's like, yeah. Ten years later, yeah. One thing. Let's talk about the garage. <laughs> so, what's right kind on. of the the process that goes behind it from like start to beginning when you have a, like an idea or like when you a knife at least or. Um, so, when I first started designing, and this was a great lesson. When I first started designing, I take the piece of paper. I'm like what does a cool knife look like? And I would draw a cool knife. And I'd show it to Andy and Dylan, and the first question they'd ask me is, what is the purpose of this knife? To cut shit. I'm like, yeah, to look cool. Yeah. Like, okay, but well, this is a tool. How is the tool supposed to be used? So then the, the design process for me kind of came around to, okay, this is a task I want to complete with this, this tool. What are the characteristics that that I would need to complete that task. And then I look at it and go, well, that's, that's really boring. If I, if, I, if I add a little something here, and then if you add something, the question is, is it going to help, is it going to hurt, or if it's going to be neutral? If it helps the given task, then it stays. If it hurts the given task, it goes away. If it's neutral, then it's kind of a judgment call. And I, I do very simplistic wow, designs. I think it was St. Aquinas that said a designer knows they've reached perfection, not when there's nothing left to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. So I will take a set of characteristics that are good at a task, and then I'll see if there's any, if there's any extra shit I can just strip away. And then when I, what I'm left with there, that's kind of my starting point, because the other thing that I have learned is it doesn't matter how good your knife is, if it's not sexy enough for someone to pick it up, they'll never know how good it is. If they don't want to pick the knife up, they'll never know it's good. So I try to... Andy's suggestion is the shapes of a woman. You, your knives want to have smooth, rounded curves like a woman. Um, I've also been told it should look like it's in motion. So I will try to give it some motion or some sex appeal as long as that's neutral. And then it's, then it's R&D. Um, I might take that shape and grind it in four different ways and test those. And I've been really fortunate, especially with the kitchen knives. I've got a great network of professional chefs. So I can either talk to them and go, hey, when you're doing this, what are you looking for? Or I'll send them a knife and go, pass this around the kitchen for a couple of months and let me know. Um, but yeah, the, the start is, for me, the start of designing a knife is what do I want this knife to do? And that concept can be used in so many things, not just knife design. Yeah. Because I've, I've heard a similar concept when it comes to to design, like uh, graphic design, where they're like, try to say the most with the least amount of of s stuff in, the, in in your image. So How can a really yeah, clean image yeah. tell a story? Yeah. And then... Um, Beyond that, I, I love experimenting with new materials. Uh, I've been really fortunate with some of the materials manufacturers out to get a reputation of, I'll try anything. And frequently, I'll pay for the first run just to see if it'll work. And they're great because I'll call them and go, hey, I've got this idea. And they'll go, all right. You know, materials cost, we'll roll the dice and let's see what happens. Or they'll call me and go, hey, I've got this idea. If you'll cover the materials cost, let's see what happens. So... I also kind of enjoy getting new materials and seeing where their limits are. How, how far can I push them? What's the, what's the strangest uh, um, concept you've came up with? Str you strangest concept that I've come up with that worked was the, the Firefly material. Oh, okay. um, there was a phenomenal guy, and 
it's going to piss people off that I'm telling the story because he's out of business. But there was this phenomenal guy and he had a company called Mental Co. And he was, he was very much the mad genius. Like, from what I can tell, he had some trouble in everyday society. But he could figure out, when it came to stabilization and laminates, he did stuff nobody else was doing. And since I was getting into kitchen knives, we started stabilizing a lot of food products. Um, we did coffee beans. We did hemp. Uh, we did beer hops. Uh, we did rosemary and thyme leaves. Uh, we learned that rice <clears throat> does not stabilize well at all. <laughs> we learned that pasta does not stabilize well at all. Coffee, stabilizes well, coffee beans stabilize well enough for an outdoor knife, but not well enough for a kitchen knife. Um, you get some voids and you get some uncured coffee that are a theoretical bacteria issue. Mm. And in outdoor knives, a theoretical issue isn't really a concern, but in kitchen knives, yeah. that's, just a, that's yeah. just a hard no. Yeah. Uh, but he is also the one that I could send him an image. He would print it out and he would make me sheets of my carta that was out of 100 sheets of paper. Mm. And he would align the image in each sheet perfectly when he made the micarta. So when I shaped the handle, the image stayed coherent. Wow. Uh, and I did. He had, I've got a, quite a few pinup girl handles out there. And it was, you know, I'd, he'd find non-copyrighted images of 1940s pinup girls. And he would line 100 sheets of paper to make this micarta so that they didn't move and the image stayed perfectly stacked on top of each other. That's great. So, so, okay. so it's basically paper micarta with an image yeah. on it. And that's got to be tough to. That's fucking cool. Some <laughs> other people have tried to do it, but the the sheets would move a little bit. Yeah, you and move blur even, the image. You move even like a uh, like ten thousandths, and it's yeah, and it's off. Yeah, it. holy uh, shit! So okay. he did some really cool stuff. He also uh, the forest floor material that I use that turned out to be too good a camouflage. Um, <laughs> a patina to blade, and it was literally you would go to a like a a a square yard of force material and scoop it up and he would stabilize it. It's crazy. <laughs> and with a uh, force patina on a blade, I dropped it and it was gone. It was a handle made out of leaf clutter that fell into leaf clutter. Oh uh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, I, I can see that being a, yeah, it, it was yeah. at a campsite and I knew exactly where it was. And a magnet is the only way I found it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which is yeah, also when I started making brightly colored handles. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like maybe I'm going about this the wrong way. <laughs> uh, there's some really cool stuff coming out with, uh, like I said, with the, the Chatoyant carbon fiber where they're, they're playing with layers at different angles. So not just on one dimension, but two dimensions mm -hmm. that give you a lot of depth. Um, there's a yeah, lot of stuff going on. the illusion on that these are really cool. These are fucking cool handles. Um, and then a lot of the casting stuff that you can do. Um, I've got one that I'm experimenting with. I've got to shape it really slowly because it's aluminum, but we just saved thousands of the little pop tops off, piled them up and cast them. Um, now when you shape it, you got to go real slow cause the aluminum heats up, but yeah, we're, we're playing with doing beer can pop top, uh, handles. <laughs> right on. That's so cool. Uh, there's a guy out of Atlanta that does like the wasp style Japanese handles. And he cast them with uh, little figurines in them, skulls, different things like that. And he does this really clear resin. So it's a, it's a tang set handle in a, a traditional Japanese style, but it's a cast handle with all these like little skulls and stuff suspended in the resin. Hmm. How well does that resin hold up compared to like a... Um, it's a little bit of a loaded question because it depends on the resin and it depends on and the, the pour, of course. Yeah. So depends on how well it's mixed, maybe. So when we were first doing this firefly material, um, the clearer the resin is, the more efficient it is. The more light goes in, the more light comes out. The easier way to get it clear is to get it hard. So at first we were casting it really hard so it would polish well, but that was making it brittle and it was hard to work with. So then it started to be a balance on the ratios of the epoxy of getting hard enough that it polishes well, but soft enough that it'll give rather than chip out. So it depends. And then in some cases, like a straight piece of resin isn't really strong, but uh, Composite Craft would put aluminum honeycomb 
and that would work like rebar and concrete. So you got this funky pattern and you got this resin, but the, the aluminum in it gave it some, some flexes of strength. Or... Yeah. Um, and that's part of the cool thing that, I mean, it, it can be grass fiber. I mean, arguably, I mean, you can make fiberglass out of grass fiber. So some of it is the mix of the resins and we're getting better resins that you can work with now. But also we're finding new stuff that you can add in that, you know, like rebar and concrete or um, gravel and concrete that, that makes it more durable. And you can get, like I could make this handle so it will not break, but it would be so soft that I could gouge it with my fingernail. So part of it gets to be, you start balancing it for chef's knife. It's very unlikely that someone's going to be smashing walnuts with the pommel. So the formulation that you can use in a chef's knife will be different than the formulation you use in an outdoor knife where somebody may be cracking nuts or trying to drive nails with the pommel of their knife. Or someone who doesn't know how to baton and they're slamming the handle with the fucking stick with a log. And, and that's <laughs> where, log, yeah. you know, just like the, some of the art in a knife maker is knowing which combination of angles come together to make an efficient blade. One of the reasons I don't do cast, I'd, early on I played with some stabilizing and some casting myself and I very quickly realized I had time to be a knife maker or a materials maker. I didn't have time to learn to do both. So some of these guys, they've got as much art into figuring out the composition of the, their resins as I do is figuring out the angles of my grinds. Um, uh, and that's also why some of my handle material, I mean just the handle material is 100 bucks before I before I put it on a knife. Uh, and part of that is because the guy I bought it from, I know he's got it dialed in. Um, and it's blingy and looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you still mess them up every once in a while? Or, or you got it down to where you're not wasting any material? Oh, man, any maker that says he doesn't mess up every now and then is shit. not just a liar, but a yeah. bad liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got some four-inch blades out there that started out as six-inch blades. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's the thing. That's as, long thing as, you can, as long as you can just make it smaller and still make it work, you're, you're good. Uh, one of the early lessons I got was spec knives are never ruined. An ordered knife may be ruined. If the grind height was supposed to be half the height of the blade and you went over, it's ruined. A yeah. spec knife... No, I just wanted to do a three-quarter height grind. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I meant to do that. And after I meant to do that. Done when you decide it's done. And uh, I started using, I started using G-Flex epoxy years ago. And it, it is a great motivator for not making mistakes on your handle. Because trying to get, I have had my car to delaminate, trying to get a, a handle off of a knife when I used uh, that G-Flex epoxy wow jesus uh and in the end what i have to do is heat it up with a heat gun and use a framing chisel and a dead blow hammer uh, to get it off (laughs) (laughs) awesome all right so i have one more question then we 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 gotta we unfortunately have to wrap this up we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get you on again because i think there's there's a lot more to cover there's, here. There's a lot more we can talk about. <laughs> Sorry, I get I get passionate about knives, and I'll I'll ramble no, on. No, that's perfect so for a podcast. We did say that's good. That our we sponsor's were gonna... pretty passionate about it too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Tough uh, knives we... for those wondering. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's Tough knives for all your outdoor needs. Yeah. Uh, so we were going to talk a little bit about Joe. Yeah. What, uh, do, what do you want to say? What's your What's your favorite Joe story? And you were going to mention your your thing about uh, the plug. Yeah, the podcast. Um. Favorite thing about Joe is he is always up for something. Nobody ever sits around with Joe and goes, I got nothing to do. Joe has always got something to do. Um, It is frequently a good idea to go camping with Joe in a group so that y'all can tag out because after about three or four hours, you're going to need, you're going to need some Gatorade. You're going to need to take a break uh, because he is constant motion. Um, And his, I think his degree is zoology and etymology. Uh, yes. Uh, so walking in the woods with him is fascinating because he'll, oh, you know, oh, look, this is family genus. Notice this marking. It makes this species. It eats this. This is an indicator that this other predator is in the area. Oh, look, and if we look under this rock, here's that other predator. <laughs> um, Joe is wild. Joe is uh, 
very wild. He also he lives he lives it. Like there's some designers out there that they design from a desk. Joe designs from the woods. I mean, he is he is out there living it. Um, if if his name is on a knife, it's because he went out and used it. Joe Flowers, everyone. Yeah. Joe sure. Flowers. Yeah. And your podcast you want to yes. mention. Yeah. Um, yes. The Knife Perspective podcast. I do it with uh, Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives. And it kind of started with, we had some questions. And we're like, well, you know what? At the time, in his lab, there was a metallurgist in there. And I'm like, I had some really specific. I was starting to kind of dig deep into metallurgy. And I had some questions. And I'm like, hey, you know, we'll get on the phone and talk to him. And we realized, hey, you know, there, there might be other knife makers that, that want to know about it. So what we do is it's somebody from some part of the industry. It might be a dealer. It might be a designer. It might be a metallurgist, a materials maker, somebody from some part of the industry. And we'll have them on once a month. And it's, it started off as just all the questions we wanted to know. Like how, why. Uh, we've been doing it for about two years now, and it started out as very knife maker specific, and then it's gotten to be community. It's all knives, but it's the how and the why behind knives. And how many shows do you do a month or a uh, week? We do once a month. Once a month. Uh, we tried doing every two weeks, and we both had kids, and he had a full-time job and was making full-time. And to line up guests, do show notes, and edit, it was just too much. Yeah, it can get tough. We're having to compromise the quality of the show to do every two weeks, so we do once a month right now. Yeah, we didn't compromise. We just fucking wing it. Our quality ain't all there all the time. We don't have a staff or a really blinged out studio. Neither do we. We've got a table. We just wing it most of the time. We've got a really sweet table. I mean, a really expensive table. Yeah. But yeah. There will never be another table exactly like this. I fucking Thank hope goodness. not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were both on the same page. That's true. Oh, man. All right, so check that out. It's called The Knife Perspective yep. Podcast. Um, also, check out Dogwood Custom Knives. Dan Eastland makes those. Um, yeah. I sat here and checked out your website and started following you on Instagram just while we've been sitting here chatting. Thank you. Yes. So, yeah. Dan, we appreciate you being being on, making the trip all the way out here. Thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I really enjoyed tech, checking out the facility. Awesome. If you enjoy this podcast, go ahead and go to topsdailygrind.com and buy some shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and, please. We really, really need to sell some stuff to yeah. pay for this table. I'm going to throw a plug in, too. And the, the GoFundMe for this guy isn't going that well. And yeah, by this guy, like, I mean, and go support our sponsors, Tops Knives. <laughs> TDG30. For what? For 30 percent good job and in some cases Damn. thirty dollars sometimes they yeah. match up Wait, yeah. dollars and cents yeah. are different yeah depends they are, uh, Man, they yeah. are. kind of want to ask yeah. him how many handles he could have made with the epoxy that john wasted but i guess well thank thank you and uh see you next time which there will for be us will be like in two minutes but There'll for you guys it'll be next week so we're out okay